You're listening to the City World Radio Network. High-definition digital radio broadcasting from the city to the world. www.cityworldradio.com Good evening and welcome to Morph Mom Moments. My name is Elizabeth Lenz and I'm filling in this evening for Kathleen Smith. Kathleen, as you know, is the founder of Morph Mom and the regular host of Morph Mom Moments. Now, if you tuned in last week, you heard um, Kathleen explain an interview about Documenting Hope, which is a pioneering group of scientists, physicians, healers, parents, and children's health advocates who have assembled to scientifically demonstrate that recovery from certain childhood conditions, even those as complex as autism and autoimmune conditions, is possible. The Documenting Hope Project seeks to inspire parents, physicians, and policymakers to think differently about children's health and redesign a system that truly understands how to prevent and reverse chronic health conditions. Kathleen is hosting a party tonight to raise awareness and support for Documenting Hope. Um, She is across town, um, so we are filling in for her tonight, and we are very happy to be here. I'm here tonight with my great friend, Connie Fowler. Connie is the founder of Let's Have a Taste, which is a wine consulting firm that specializes in wine acquisition, appraisal, and liquidation services. She's also a um, private and corporate wine buyer and hosts wine and spirits tasting events in the New York metropolitan area. Connie, welcome to Morph Mom Moments. Thanks for having me, Elizabeth. We're very excited to have you here. as is traditional in Morph Mom, we really want to know, hear about your story, how you got interested in the wine business, how you started, what worked for you, what didn't work. So I'm going to give up the floor, and um, if you could please tell us your story. Uh, well, I have to go back uh, way before I became a mom, and um, I spent a summer working in Paris when I was in college, and I, uh, I didn't have a lot of money. And I discovered that cheap red wine was was less expensive than beer or even Coca-Cola. And that's really where I uh, acquired a taste for wine. And at the time, I was living with this French woman, and she let rooms in her beautiful apartment, French apartment, Paris apartment, to college-age students. And if you wanted, you could dine with her at night. And... um, what she did was she'd, she'd serve a very simple meal and she'd have a carafe of red wine and a carafe of white wine and a carafe of water on the table. And, you know, in her very heavy Parisian accent, she would explain, well, if you're going out later, you know, to the discotheque, uh, you, should, you should water your wine down. If you're just going to have dinner and you're going to go back to your room and read a book, you know, you can have a couple of glasses of wine. But she, she was sort of the first person that... Um, uh, introduced me to the idea of wining and dining and, and, and how to drink and enjoy wine in a, in a responsible way. So that, that, was, that was back in, uh, when I was 19. Mm. 
So fast forward a few years, um, I graduated from college. I tried my hand at banking. I was a terrible banker. I worked for um, uh, K-Line, which is a container container ship uh, business, and that was pretty miserable as well. <laughs> and um, I, I took a, a wine class just for fun in the evening, and most of the people in the class were people in the wine business. And so sort of this light bulb went, went on over my head, and I thought, well, I could, you know, maybe I could do this. So I, I kept my day job, and I, I, I got a job on the weekends working at a wine shop in New York, Sherry Lehman's. And it, it was during the Christmas season, the holiday season, and it was crazy biz, busy. I had, I had no business being there because I really didn't know that much. Um, but I just kind of threw myself into the fire, and um, I, I caught the bug. So I... Um, I started sort of pursuing that, and I, I got a, a job with a small wine importer. In, in the meantime, I, I, was, I, I just kept knocking on the door of this one uh, wine importer that I really wanted to work for, Cobrand. They're one of the best in the business. And finally, the guy said, oh, my gosh, you're just relentless. Yes, you know nothing, but yes, you can come work for us. And that was, that was sort of my big break. And I worked for Cobrand. They, they import Louis Jadot, um, Burgundy Wine. Um, Tatinger Champagne, cake bread from California. And I worked for them for a number of years in New York in um, in sales. And I, I had a territory in the Upper West Side in Lower Manhattan. And, um, you know, it was, it was sort of one of the best times of my life. Um, um, I learned a lot. I had a great boss who sort of took me under his wing. He was like a father figure to me. Um, and they had a great training program. I got to do some traveling with them. Um, and I was I, I I discovered I was actually good at at sales. So so that was a positive experience. Um, in the meantime, I I, um, I met my husband. We got married. We were still in New York, and then we 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 moved out to New Jersey, and we were going to start our family. And so Cobrand happily gave me a territory in New Jersey, um, which I was thrilled about. Um, and then I had <laughs> we had our first son. And I discovered that New Jersey is not like Manhattan as far as wine sales go, <laughs> especially way back when. And um, it was it was sort of a tough go. So, uh, you know, you're you're working all day, and, and in New York, you know, I take a taxi, I'd, I'd I'd walk my beat, but in New Jersey, you had to drive. And this is mm. before GPS. <laughs> I learned my way around Bergen County. It's like a different country up there. No offense to anyone from Bergen County, <laughs> but they drive. They almost drive on the other side of the road up there. And, um, you know, one, one story, I, I spent a lot of time calling on accounts, restaurants, retailers, but we had to, we had to entertain or, or work with, um, winemakers that were visiting, uh, the marketplace. So we had this one guy, Jim Allen, who was the, um, owner winemaker at Sequoia Grove out in California. And I was responsible to work with him in New Jersey, and I had set up this dinner uh, with with Jim, and I had all these people coming, and Jim was coming up on Amtrak from Washington, D.C. So it was my responsibility to meet him at the train station in Newark and pick him up. This is before cell phones. So <laughs> somehow I managed to find my way to the train station in Newark, and um, I go in to, to meet Jim Allen. The train comes in. There's no Jim Allen, so so I'm sweating. And and I get to the payphone. I call my office. Does anyone know where Jim is? No, no. I'm looking at my watch. I have to drive up to Bergen County to get get there in time for this dinner. 
you know, I call the restaurant. I, I, we might be a few minutes late. Mm. I'm, I'm sweating bullets, literally and figuratively. <laughs> Finally, you know, another train comes, comes north from Washington, no Jim Allen. And then, then a train comes from New York, and Jim Allen stumbles <gasps> off the train. Oh, no, he went all the way to New York. He went all the way oh. to New York. He fell asleep because he had, he had been at a luncheon down in D.C. <laughs> with wine. With wine. Everyone's <laughs> whining and dining, and he fell asleep. And he, you know, he ended up in uh, in New York. So he comes back. We get in my car. We head up to Bergen County, and you know, the dinner the dinner was a success. But it was, uh, to say the least, it was it was stressful. So I do dinners like this, you know, once once a week, twice a week. You wouldn't get out of there till ten or eleven, and then I'd come home, and I had, you know, I had my son there. So um, it was it was it was a lot, and I I. Um, I decided I needed to sort of step back. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, you know, some some women can can do it all. I wasn't. I'm not one of those women. So I, you know, they they really wanted me to stay, but I, you know, I could come back to New York, so on and so forth. And I said, no, I'm just going to take a break. So um, I stopped working for them, and it was bittersweet because mm-hmm. I, I loved my job. I loved what I did. I was, you know, I thought I was pretty good at it, uh, but I wanted to be with my son and, um, you know, have some semblance of a normal life that's a tough decision you have to make yeah some home you know and and we could talk about being home with a with a baby and he he was great he was wonderful i loved him i still love him um (laughs) (laughs) but um then his his uh his his little brother came along a few years later so now i've got two kids and I had been thinking um, while I was pregnant with the second, I got to get, you know, I, I have to, I, I have to get back in a, into this business somehow. So I, I offered to teach an, uh, an adult education class, a wine tasting class hmm. through, you know, adult education mm-hmm. classes. I don't even know if towns still do that. And they said, yeah, you can do a wine tasting class. So I did it at a local restaurant and, you know, I, I, I was pleasantly surprised the class filled up. I had whatever, 20 people, and and um, it was all different types of people, professional people, you know, stay-at-home moms like me that came in, some young people, older people, and um, I really enjoyed that. I, I like I like turning people on to mm-hmm. wine. I like mm-hmm. explaining. I like teaching. And one of the sort of interesting things that came out of that experience um, uh I had I had some people that that worked for the pharmaceutical industry, and they said, "Gee, uh, could I hire you to do wine tastings for my physician clients?" Oh, that's great! Yeah, it was great, and it was you know it was it was it was good money, and so um, and they these were these uh, pharmaceutical sales reps, and they were constantly trying to get in front of these doctors, and doctors are busy, and so they'd invite them to a dinner. And um, whatever their rules and regulations were, they had to have a physician talk about the drug, whatever the drug was, Viagra or Prozac or what, you know, whatever it was that they were selling. But they would bring me in as the hook. And, mm-hmm. and people would say, oh, you're doing a wine tasting right. and there's going to be someone talking about the wine? So these events were really well attended. And um, that, was, that, was, that was a great time, great money, um, and I, I, I really enjoyed that. Sadly... The regulations change, and they they could no longer, you know, do that sort of entertaining uh, in that industry. In that in that particular industry, um, but what a great series of events! You, you decided to teach this class, and there you get a whole 
I mean, I think that's something people have to, re- you know, that absolutely people trying to change whatever their careers really need to remember. That first little step might lead you to, you know, a whole yes, a whole absolutely. Other venue. And what was good for me was, you know, in the meantime, I had these two kids at home, and I was with them during the day, um, and I always had part-time babysitting, so mm-hmm. you know, I'd have time during the day to get get my stuff ready. But then at night, um, I think my husband was still working in New York at the time, but I, I always had I had uh, college students mm-hmm. from, you know, we lived in New Jersey, so primarily from Drew University, and I always hired kids that could drive. Mm-hmm. And I'd hire them, and I'd say, you come, you know, you make dinner. And I said, even if my husband comes home and he says, oh, you can leave now, I want you to clean the kitchen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I want to come in and have the kitchen clean. I don't trust not that I don't trust him, but you do it. I'm paying you. And um, that worked out really well. And, and, and every year, I, you know, these kids would graduate and move on to their, their adult lives. And I'd, I'd, I'd ask them for names of younger right, kids. Right. So I had a pretty good gig with the, with the child care mm-hmm. as well. And that's, that's certainly important for, you know, for any, any parent Absolutely. who's trying to work and, 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 and juggle different, different things. And that's something people might not think of. Go to your local university and, and you know, try to find somebody there. That's a great resource. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, so that, that was sort of a, a happy, happy mm-hmm. scenario. Um, and then sort of going forward, I, I was teaching these classes. I, I was working with the pharmaceutical industry. Um, I ended up getting hired by a lot of um, law firms and investment mm-hmm. banks, especially during the summer for their summer internship programs. And mm-hmm. I'd, you know, I'd, I'd go in and, and do, my, um, do my little wine tasting show for these, you know, these uh, college or, or MBA or law school age people. Which and might have been their first exposure to something like yes. that, which is great. Yeah. And, uh, and that was fun. And I've always, I've always liked working with younger people and, and, um, you know, that, that was, that was definitely worthwhile. Um, and then I, then sort of the biz, my, my business really kind of grew or very organically. I'd have people come to my class and they'd say, gee, I love the wines that you that you that you have a sample. Can you help me buy wines for myself? You know, for for either just just to drink. I'm having a party, or mm-hmm. or so on and so forth. And and um and I and so so I started working as a wine buyer for people and supplying them with wine or a wine broker, if you will. And um and people that I I knew, I started sort of developing a client base. Um, they started building wine cellars in their homes. And and um, not only did I help them fill their wine cellars, but um, I ended up working with um, uh, uh, someone in the construction business who builds wine cellars. And he and I sort of teamed up for different, you know, for, for different clients and designed uh, wine cellars. So that, that was sort That's of a fun avenue, too. It was very fun. And, you know. Now I know my way around a hammer, and and when the when the refrigeration <laughs> when the refrigeration system doesn't work, who do they call? They call me, and, and then I call I called my guy. Um, so so that was sort of interesting, um, but but you know, not everything works out perfectly. Mm, so of course, um, I had I had a situation where. Um, I had a couple guys. I don't. I can't remember if they had taken my class or something. But they somehow they heard about me and they they were opening up a business and they wanted me to join them. So, you know, we we talked at length and it was two brothers and I I really liked these guys. I had a good feeling about them and they were they were opening up this first 
pizza franchise in New Jersey, and and they wanted me to come in, and um, and it was going to be a BYO, bring your own bottle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, they're right next door. There was um, a, a liquor license that was available, and they wanted me to come in and open up a wine shop. So I sort of jumped. I jumped in, you know, head first, and. Um, Spent some money, got some legal advice, so on and so forth. Kind of went down this road mm-hmm. for a while, and um, there, it, it, I, my gut was telling me not to do mm-hmm. it. And and in my head, um, there were some liens against the liquor license, which means you know I'd have to clean up, I'd have to clean right, up and pay right. for. The three of us would have to do that, and these guys. Uh, were in the real estate business. They weren't in the. They were not in the restaurant business, and neither ah. was I. And I had never owned a, a wine shop, although I had, you know, I had worked in a wine shop and I had worked in the wine business, and I was fairly confident that I could learn that business. And I, I was something I was curious about, but I just had this feeling. And sometimes you just have to mm-hmm. listen to your gut. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, having sunk some some money and time into it, I, I had to. Uh, I had to pull out, and right. I lost a couple of friends, unfortunately. Um, but but it, it was a good decision. And did they ever open the store? Did they ever? Yeah. So they 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 opened the the franchise, the this pizza franchise. They did not go forward with the license. Okay. They did not. Um, so we we parted company. Um, but what came out of that, on a positive note, I thought I was done with two children. You know, intellectually, mm-hmm. emotionally, physically, and then there was just a little voice calling out to me, huh? and mm-hmm. my husband doesn't know what he hit, what hit him. But nine <laughs> months later, we we gave birth to our our third and uh, last child, a little girl. And your girl, and and you know, really, it was that was a great decision. And, and honestly, looking back, I think if I had opened that business, I don't think should right. be here today. Right. So. Um, you know, things work out one way or the other. Um, another thing that I did that was really cool, I I, um, I have some wonderful friends, and someone said, why don't, you know, you, you know so much about wine, you know more than all of us, why don't you, why don't you set up a wine hedge fund? We'll all give you money, and, um, and you can invest it for us. So I had um, a quarter of a million dollars. Hmm. And those are good friends, Connie. Those are good <laughs> friends. And they gave me their money. And um, and I invested some money as well. And I said, well, that's fine. I'll do this. But um, I don't want people telling me what to do. I, I, I like to just do I mean, what I like to do. Can you back up one second and sure. explain what a wine hedge fund would be? So a wine hedge fund is um, you buy wine uh-huh. with the intention of um, selling it, hopefully, fingers crossed, at a profit down the road. And that's different from a regular wine store because you're sort of speculating on whether the value of the wine is going to go up and down. Yeah. That's the, okay. Yes. So there's absolutely. a market. There's a market for wine. Yes. There's there's a fine wine market. You know the the primarily at auction. Yeah. Got it. The, the okay. auction market. Okay. So continue. I'm sorry to interrupt. That's all right. Continue. So so that was that was a really interesting um, uh, project for me because I. I'm a wine enthusiast, and I'm a wine drinker, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I like to drink wine. I didn't want to have to sell the wine. These are like my babies, but um, so so it was a really, it was a good intellectual exercise for me, and, um, but it was, it was a little scary because right. people give you money, and 
these were friends, but and I and I wanted these people to all remain my friends. Right. And you know, it wasn't their last ten Nicole, grand yeah. that they gave me or anything, but but I, I felt sort of a uh, a responsibility. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, I I bought primarily two thousand Bordeaux, and I bought a I bought um, a bunch of California wine from from one vineyard. And um, it was a great learning experience. And what I wish I had done differently is I wish I had bought more of the of the the, the very top line wines from mm-hmm. Bordeaux, the Chateau Lafitte, Chateau Margaux, because they go up in value more. Those are the those are the the bluest of the blue chips of in the wine business. And yeah, they go up. They 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 are going to increase in value um, the most. And how much would a wine like that vacillate in terms of the value? Like, how much does it go down? Like, what percentage? So maybe? my experience with these wines is um, they they really don't go down. They only go up. Interesting. Okay. Some, of the, some of the other wines that I bought, I bought, I bought you know, I bought a lot of other Bordeaux and, um, you know, of, of a lesser caliber, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, and they did, they did not go up as much or they just sort of stayed okay. stagnant. And this was, you know, this was sort of in the sort of the heyday. So mm-hmm. in 2008 everything kind of everything kind of crashed in value. Right. But really, I mean if if you had bought wines and 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 Lafitte, Margot, Mouton, Rothschild and you held on to it, those those would bounce back. Mm-hmm. They're pretty um pretty foolproof. So how do you know when to sell? So we kind of put a a time cap on it. Okay. So that's when we knew when to sell. And some of the people in the wine fund um, took their proceeds in wine, and we and some took it in in money or Ooh. wine in money. Wow, that's fun to take your proceeds in wine. I like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was um, that was an interesting exercise, and I, you know, I still have some of this wine, and my husband keeps saying, "So when are you going to sell? <laughs> <laughs> when are you going to sell that wine?" I said, "Well, sweetheart." You know, we do have our daughter, and 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 we we're we're gonna have to marry her off one of these days. Ah, there you go. So, um, and then in the meantime, I mean, I think when you're doing when you're doing anything, you you need to you you need to keep fresh um, and and cutting edge in in your in your marketplace, mm-hmm. and you need to be knowledgeable. So, um, I continued my studies uh, with wine. During during this time period, it took a few years. I um, I went through the Wine and Spirit Education Trust, which is a program based out of London, and um, I I got their um, I got a degree in the, their diploma degree, mm-hmm. and that um, that that entailed attending classes in New York, and then taking um, a two day exam. Okay, and it was a two year program. I think it, it took me three years because I think they only gave the test. In the you know in June, and I, I think I was busy having a baby right, one of those right. years, and I just wanted to finish it up. And and I and I, I think they they offered you know part one every other year and part two the other years. And so I flew over to London mm-hmm. at one point just to just to wrap it up and, and finish right. it. And thankfully, you know, I, I passed that. And then I went on. Um, I was I, I applied to and I was accepted into the Master of Wine program, mm-hmm. and that's that's um, that's pretty prestigious in the wine world. And did you need the other degree as a prerequisite for that? Um, yes or no? Okay. Yes or yeah, yes. So it's helpful but not right. It mandatory. Was, exactly. Um, there are there are people in the MW program that don't have the diploma degree, mm-hmm. um, but at the time. 
I think there were 22 Americans that had the MW degree. And That's it, 22 in the 22, whole country. 22, and only two women. Wow. And only two women. So um, I set my sights on that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I did it because I, you know, I, I, I wanted to try it, and I wanted to, you know, I was hoping to pass it. I'll, I'll cut to the chase. I did not pass it. I sat the exam twice. <laughs> um, I've never been a great test taker. I thought maybe I'd get over that. Um, but it's, it was a, it, the test was really hard. It's a four-day exam, and you have to know about grape growing. Mm-hmm. You have to know about winemaking. You have to know about the business of wine. And then, then, there, then there's blind tasting. What blind tasting is, they'd give you 12 different wines, and um, you had a set amount of time. I can't remember the time, but it was nearly enough time. And you had, and then they'd ask you questions. So you didn't have to just say, oh, this is the Chardonnay and this is the Sauvignon Blanc. You'd have to say, um, th- this flight of three wines um, are all Chardonnay because of because of these five reasons. And this, and the first one, wine number one, is a Chardonnay from Burgundy because of this reason and these reasons. And this one is from Australia. So you have to be super, super spe- specific. Right. And um, blind tasting is, is um, a very humbling experience mm-hmm. for anybody. <laughs> um, so I tried my hand at that twice. And my neighbors and friends really liked it because I had to practice tasting. So, <laughs> you know, you, you can practice by yourself, but it's, you know, there, there's no the energy same. in the room <laughs> yeah. if, if you have a tasting group. So I had some professional tasting groups and I, then I had just some friends. And, and then all my neighbors always liked it because I, I wasn't drinking then I was tasting. And tasting is different from drinking. And when you're taste, when I taste wine, I, I have to spit it of out. Of course, yes. So I'd have all these bottles of wine, and they'd be three-quarters full. And so right. I'd just distribute them to my neighbors. <laughs> so I, I became very, very popular. popular. Yeah, yeah. But regardless of passing or not passing, I mean, I imagine that just going through that course yes. for that is, it would be invaluable. Yes, yes. Whatever, you know, aspect of the wine industry you want to go into. Yes, yes. And um, my husband and a few other people, they said, well, what are you going to do if and when you get your MW? Mm-hmm. And I just didn't have a, a good enough reason. I said, well, I'm going to continue doing what I'm right, doing. Right, right. So what would be different? Right. So anyway, so I'm glad I did it. And, and, and I've always, I've, I'm a firm believer in, you know, that you, you have to be on board with the journey. Yes, and and not just the destination. Exactly. So. Exactly. Um, but it's funny because because people always want you to taste wine, or they they want to you know can you t- guess what this is? And so, um, uh, one of the classes that I was teaching, I had this guy who um, you know one of one of my um, uh, guys taking the class, and he was this retired gentleman, and um, he he had worked for. Uh, Bell Labs, I think, mm-hmm. and he was a chemist. And he said, "I have, I make wine, and would you mind tasting it and and giving me your opinion?" And I said, "Sure, that'd be great." Well, he made wine. He made his own wine. Ah, he made his own <laughs> wine, and he wanted me to critique it. So he would, he didn't want me to blind taste it. And um, so so he brings me these little these like little baby jars of of liquid, <laughs> and I'm looking at this. Stuff. What color was it? If most of it was was white it wasn't red (laughs) and i said so what kind of grape did you use to make these wines and he said oh i didn't make them out of grapes i said really and he goes anyone can make wine out of grapes he said i made them out of grapefruit carrots 
um, what else? <laughs> Peaches. And he was a chemist. And, and really, when you make wine, you oh, what, okay. what wine is, it, it's you're, you're fermenting sugar. It's the sugar. And you, you add um, uh, 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 yeast, and mm-hmm. that, that, that's what causes the fermentation. So he said, yeah, anyone can make wine out of grapes. I want to see if I can make wine out of carrots. And carrots have a higher sugar content. And guess what? You can make wine out of carrots. And how was it? So it had a very carroty <laughs> <laughs> aroma. and Not really aroma, but definitely taste. And... Um, yeah, so I, I tried to keep it positive, mm-hmm. but uh, that was probably the weirdest thing I ever had to taste. Interesting. Yeah. And the carrot wine was white. Yeah, a little, little bit of an orange. Okay. <laughs> a little bit of an orange tinge to it. Okay. Okay, we have a question. Now, so your experience is so diverse in the wine industry, and you seem very adventurous in terms of what, you know, what you'll take on. Um, and so... What do you think the personal traits are that you have that have really allowed you to succeed? I, I mean, one of them that I, the, the word that I remember um, from earlier is relentless. Like you really knocking on doors, you know, in the beginning of your career, not taking no for an answer. Um, that seems to be an important, important characteristic for anybody really starting out um, and trying to reach their goals. Uh, yeah, and and not just in the wine business, pr- probably anything um, being. Being relentless and and oh. and and being willing to sort of reach out to people and ask them for something and and sort of what I always say is if I didn't tell you what I was thinking you wouldn't know you exactly. you, you can't assume that people exactly. can read your mind and and can and know what you what you're looking for or exactly. what or what you want I think we have someone looking for us right now we okay. have a call sure let's oh no oh the call just dropped oh just dropped okay. Maybe, um, maybe actually, call back. If, if anyone's interested in calling in and asking Connie questions about the wine industry, the wine journey, our call-in number is 212-631-7533. Nope, I'm sorry, it's 7553. 212-631-7553. So what have been some of the more um, funny humorous um moments that you've found in your wine career uh oh boy let's see <laughs> well there's always there's always the opportunity where um everybody knows the, the phenomenon that the smartest guy in the room mm-hmm. and and you go to any sort of event there's always this the smartest guy or gal in the room who who kind of knows everything and i i find in the wine business, in the wine business, people that actually work in the business are pretty pretty open minded, and they're just they're into what they're into. But but people that are wine enthusiasts or enjoy wine, there there's there sometimes there seems to be sort of this competitive edge, right, or, right, or a bit of you know snobbiness, if you will. Probably people in the business know enough to know what they don't know, right, yes. as opposed to maybe just your amateur, yeah. Yeah, wine guy. <laughs> exactly. So, um, you know, th- th- there have been plenty of times when I've I've done an event and and someone tries to you know kind of catch you up or, or whatever. Oh. So, and if you know what, if I don't know the answer, I don't, I'll just say I don't you know I don't right, know the answer. Right. And thank goodness now you can you can Google things. It's sort of easy. Exactly. <laughs> it's easy to uh, to come up with come up with an answer. Um, I guess one time this wasn't that funny. It was actually really 
kind of awful and miserable. But oh. I, I um, and kind of sad. But I, I, I got beyond it. I had, um, I was, I was teaching a class, and it was at a restaurant, and I had, I was, I had. I, I had done a series of classes at this particular restaurant and, and I talked to the owner and he knew the dates and so on and so forth. So I show up and I have a full class. I've got 30 people. It was going to be tight. And he had this private space and I show up for my class and they, they've tried to divide the space into two. So it was, it was going to be my wine class and then like a birthday party or something. <laughs> and the guy was, the owner of the restaurant was nowhere to be seen. It was his, you know, his dumb and dumber sons who were <laughs> left in charge on Tuesday night. And it, it, it was just the most, it was it was a really mortifying experience. Right. I mean, the show has to go on. And he, all these people showed up and they weren't all local. Everyone rushed from work mm-hmm. or wherever they rushed from and they're there. They'd paid money. So I did my thing. But meanwhile, there's this, birthday party going on and um you know when you just want to climb into the just like disappear into the into the floor it was one of those and but i'm sure your clientele didn't really mind well i i I gave everyone their money back because (gasps) really yeah because i like to sleep at night and they did not get what what they paid for you know they didn't get the experience that i wanted to you know impart okay that brings up another quality that um that you know every, everyone should try to foster is integrity. I mean, if you really think that that yes, I mean that that's I think yes. that's very admirable. Um, right. And it's not always you know I mean because they really did get what they paid for. Technically, yeah, they got no, the they wine to- they did, paid for. They totally did, but they, but they didn't get the experience that yeah. they paid for, and that's important. Yeah. So anyway, so that was sort of a sad story. Yeah. But then, um, but it all you know it all worked out in the end. So. Um, Another thing that I that I've done recently, or, or in the not so distant past, I um, you know, I've had this this business of, of my own. Let's have a taste, and I love what I do. And um, I have um, some friends that have a a, a, a restaurant group, and and um, and one of the owners, she and I had taken wine classes together, and we were friends, and we we both enjoyed wine, and. Um, she reached out to me and said, would you be interested in working for us as, as a wine buyer? Um, and so I jumped on it. I mm-hmm. just said, yeah, why not? You know, so I did that for a couple of years, and I worked for this wine uh, restaurant group as their wine buyer. I think at the time they had seven restaurants. So I was in seven restaurants, and I was, I was working as, as a wine buyer, um, but also training, training the staff. Mm-hmm. And um, what I discovered because I, I used to sell wine to, to, mm-hmm. to restaurants. People are so much nicer when you're the buyer. That's true in life. And this restaurant group is very successful. And so I had a lot of buying power. And so people were really nice to me. And um, and the, the, the person, the woman I was working for, she said, she, um, I, I, and I appreciated this, and we were definitely on the same page. She said, don't if anyone offers you a gift, don't accept it. Mm-hmm. You know, like right. you, you don't need another shirt, or you don't need you or know, a bottle you need, of wine. Like corkscrews, is, or you can give that to the staff or whatever. Right. And um, I, th- I think back to integrity. Exactly, you, you want to be able to sleep at night. You right. don't want anyone to to own you. Or I mean, sure, there's always going to be a, a situation where you owe someone a favor, but right. 
But but you don't want to think anything influenced your opinion absolutely. and what you buy and what you and, and it, I'm, I'm sure it wouldn't. But just even the even the appearance that it might or just it just avoid avoid the whole appearance of yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, so that that was a really that was a really interesting experience mm-hmm. for me, and um, and then at, at that point I was I was buying wine for their wine by the glass program. So a wine by the glass program is you buy wine by the glass mm-hmm. and you drink it. And sometimes you're drinking it at the bar and you're not having any food. You're mm-hmm. just having it as a cocktail. Or sometimes you're going to have the glass of wine with your meal. And um, once again, it was sort of this this intellectual exercise for me because there are a lot of wines that go so well with food. Mm-hmm. But they but they need food to, to sort of balance them out or right. soften them up. So it was it was sort of it was fun for me to to taste and select wines that that could be standalone hmm. that you could you know uh, uh, oh I want a big red wine. Right. Well big red wines generally speaking do better with with some food. Right. But if you want a big red wine and you just you you want to enjoy it at the bar then I want to I want to deliver some good goods to you. So you're talking about the house wine. Well, and, and and I guess a different a different quality of restaurants. The house wines will be yeah. These a very different. These weren't really house no okay. house wines. This, these were name wine wines. by the glass that you could order. Yes, and we had a little list and so, so on and so forth. Um, so that so that was sort of a a, a good exercise mm-hmm. for me. And one of the things I like I love about what I do is 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 the learning curve and trying right. and and learning about new wines or or what kind of wines do you buy that are going to increase in value and and getting my head around that or what kind of wines do I select that people can enjoy standalone right or uh, you know, and how do you describe that in the wine by the glass list that you have? Like that's yeah. So at this place, you you don't. What what I had to do was I had to I had to um, translate that to the waitstaff. I okay because they I I wasn't working as as a sommelier. Right. I wasn't on the floor selling the wine. I mean, I could have, but I that 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 was not the role that I played. So it was the waitstaff that was selling the wine, and so. Every afternoon, um, you know, would do would do a staff training and would mm-hmm. introduce a wine, would talk about it, and and so on and so forth. And I really liked that experience. Right. And um, some of the waiters, you know, were 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 um, how would you describe it? Professional or, or mm-hmm. sort of lifetime waiters, and some of them were right. were younger people that this was sort of a stepping stone right. in in their in their lives, and. Um, I liked working with all of them, but I, I really, I really enjoyed the. I call them kids. These right. young, young adults, and and working with them and talking to them, and um, you know, I could put my my mom hat on a little exactly. bit, but I I was a little cooler than a mom. I didn't have to be the naggy mom, and um, uh, you know, I I. Uh, I miss those guys, and I, you know, I hope I hope and gals, I hope they're all. Now you've carried that forward a little bit too, though, because don't you do a lot of um, events like in the city for young professionals? Not, I shouldn't say just in the city, but but for young professionals and yes. um, sort of their their first foray into like the wine tasting party or whatever. Yes. Describe one of those evenings for so, us. So, well, 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 a couple of examples. Um, I. Um, I offer um, an event where it's it's a graduation gift. So when your son or daughter graduates from college and they're of legal drinking age, 21 or older, you could hire me and I'll come and I'll do a wine tasting for for these young adults. And 
these 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 kids are they're they're adorable and they're they want to learn you know right. they they just want to soak it all up and and they're fun and they're funny um but but I basically I I try to just explain to them the difference between Pinot Grigio and Chardonnay right, right. or Pinot Noir and Cabernet Sauvignon. I keep it really simple and then I and then I try to put it into real life situations. Are you on a date? Are you trying to you know if it's a bunch of guys? Are you trying to are you in, are, are you on a date? You want to impress this young lady? Are you on a job interview dinner? Maybe That's yeah. Another, don't drink yeah. on a job interview. <laughs> is my mom my mom advice? kids but but if you're if you're out with clients right or so now i get texts and hey connie i i have to buy a bottle of wine well who's it for is it for your boss is it for you know is it for you is it for a friend and and how much do you want to spend well i want to spend ten dollars so but even at ten dollars you can you can find right great right ones. so actually that's a good point if people have questions for you you know you're um connie at let's have a taste dot no, no 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 connie um well, we should do this. How should we do this? Should we just tell them my email? I don't know. <laughs> they should email you, and, and then you can give it to or them. Or Morph Mom. Yeah, Morph Mom. Yes, we can yeah, find contact Morph Mom if you want to contact me. Okay. I don't have a website. Sorry, guys. I used to, but I don't anymore. Um, the other thing that I've started doing, and this is just because my clientele's aging um, along with me, which is a beautiful thing. So now I'm doing... Um, uh, wedding, wine tasting, wedding gifts. So, so people that are getting married now, young people that are getting married now, they don't want five salad bowls. Right. They don't want a, another set of china. They want they want an experience. Right. And um, I did one recently, and we, the theme was what's the difference between a ten dollar bottle and a hundred dollar bottle, and um, I brought six different wines. They, they wanted all red, so it was um, two Rhone-style wines, two California cabs, and two Spanish reds. And I wrapped the bottles in aluminum foil, and we, so we did mm-hmm. three flights. And um, I had them taste it, and, and then I said, well, which, which wine do you think is the $10 one? Which one do you think is the $100 bottle? And, and why? And which one do you, do you like? Right. Which is really important because what I learned, uh, you know, way back when, when I was teaching classes is you don't want to tell the prices up front. Because mm-hmm. if I tell you that this is a $100 bottle and this is the $10, you're going to like the $100 bottle of wine mm-hmm. no matter what. Because, because you think you should. Because you think you should. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, if I don't tell you till afterwards, you might actually prefer the $10. And it doesn't mean that you have bad taste. It might mean that the $10 bottle of wine is ready to drink. It's spot on right now. And the $100 bottle needs to be, you know, laid down for another 10 years. Right, And it's right. just not ready. Right. So um, so anyway, these guys were adorable. I did it at their apartment in Hoboken, and they brought all their friends. And um, one of the bottles I brought was a Magnum. And a Magnum bottle is, is, is the equivalent of two bottles of wine. So okay. it's, it's a big bottle. So I had a Magnum, and then I had just a regular size, a 750 um, Next milliliter. to each other. Yeah. And, and, and those were the two, I, I think they were Rhones. So this one kid, this one young man, he goes, he goes I think the big bottle is um, the, the $10 bottle, and I think it's, um, uh, uh, what's that Australian wine? The, <laughs> I'm drawing the blank. Um, 
um, Yellowtail yes, or whatever. I think it's Yellowtail, and I think <laughs> Not there's anything wrong with no, Yellowtail. Yellowtail, and I think it's Chiraz, and he was so sure of himself. And it wasn't. It, it definitely wasn't. It was from Roan. But it has, so it has some Shiraz. It has some, you know, Shiraz or Syrah in it. I'm scratching my head. I'm thinking, why is he drawing this conclusion? Because the Magnum that I brought was this really wonderful, right. expensive, more than $100 um, uh, Chateauneuf de Pop that I had bought at, at an auction. And um, from Il Bulli, which is this really awesome restaurant outside of uh, Barcelona that no longer exists. So I said, I said, why, why do you think that? And he said, well, it's a big bottle. He's thinking it's a jug wine. Right, a box of wine. <laughs> Which I thought was so awesome. That I got, is cute. I got such a kick out of that. That's odd. That's adorable. Yeah, and I said, yeah, well, that, that makes sense. So you used your visual clues. Right. However, you can get big bottles of wine that aren't really cheap. Right. And little bottles of wine that maybe are not $100 quality. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. So interesting. Um, talking about buying the wines, I know part of your business is liquidation services. Right. What is that exactly in the wine so, industry? So, once again, you know, I, I spent uh, a long time helping people fill their wine cellars. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes people get to a point where they have to empty their wine mm-hmm. cellars for a variety of reasons. So, it could be. Your parents had a, you know, a wine cellar and, and they pass away right. and you inherit it and nobody wants it. And so what do you do with it? Or I had a client who, um, you know, was moving out of the country and, and they didn't want to bring the wine with them. So liquidation is, is liquidating and mm-hmm. selling it. And um, I had one client who this is going back a while. He bought a house. And there was wine in it. The guy just left the wine there and hmm. he bought the house and he wasn't really a wine drinker. And he said, can you come look at it? And I did. And, and is there anything good here? He didn't know anything about wine. I said, yeah, there's, you know, there actually is some good stuff. So I kind of sold that off piecemeal. But um, my experience to date is um, people want to sell the, the entire contents. Got it. So I've, I've primarily done that at auction. I think we have a caller. Hi, you're on, hi, you're on Morph Mom Moments. Hi, yes, Elizabeth. Yes, it is Kim calling from uh, Documenting Hope. Kim, uh, how is the Documenting uh, Hope event going? It's going awesome. It is uh, a learning, complete learning environment here. Um, they just had a young gentleman, Aiden, speaking about basically how his mother uh, basically transitioned his life. Um, she had... Um, like uh, mercury in her mouth, I assume, from fillings, and and he definitely had many, many uh, childhood setbacks, and he went on about how um, over time and a lot of play therapy and changes in nutrition uh, hugely impacted his life, and he's sitting there as, um, you know, strong, smart-looking young man uh, whose life really was turned around. Wow. that's And so he's part of the program. The Documenting Hope yeah, Program. Yeah, so yes, he was, uh, you know, he was definitely on the panel on his, as with his mother, um, and she kind of discussed, um, you know, how basically her pediatrician said probably he would be institutionalized, um, you know, over probably a short duration, uh, and that was his, um, his best hope for, for Aiden. 
Wow. And did they so, say how how did they discover the program? How did they how did they know? Um, no, she didn't go into that so much. I think what happened with her is she determined that she was going to be her son's advocate, and so I think um, through it, um, and I might might have missed part of this, but through her um, endeavors to help him over time. Um, I think, she, you know, through all the nutrition and, and changes in the environment, I think sometimes these people kind of happen stance on each other. Um, I don't know how she, um, you know, she came in, in contact with um, Documenting Hope, but um, but there are very, very similar stories. So there was a, um, she had a video on uh, in the beginning, um, and it was just, you know, it's so amazing that through, you know, all these um, children with autism, and they were saying, I think, Going forward, I think they said something like one in 45 children will be diagnosed uh, with autism, which, you know, if you look at the percentages, what it used to be, I forget what it was, say it was like one in 10,000, it's just astronomically different. Wow. Um, and and what are we going to do to, to change this pattern? So, um, you know, they. Um, I think she said that over the next... 14 months or so, and I forget the number of children, I think, I want to say she even said 14, they are going to, you know, basically implement all changes um, in the lives of these kids Mm -hmm. that they have found to be successful over time and see, you know, how how that works. They're going to do basically a 14-month trial, it sounded like. So, um, yeah, it's it's been, um, it's very instrumental what they're doing and, um, you know, it's, Amazing for the kids, especially if we're looking at the percentages uh, going to uh, one in forty-five right. going forward. And um, but, you know what? Let me um, let me put Kathleen on. She's okay. standing right next to me, and um, and she can speak to it uh, probably a little more clearly than myself. Just a moment. Great, thank you, Kim. Hello, everyone. Hello, Kathleen. Morton calling in from the event. I hear it's a great success. A great success, and I. By the way, to all listening tonight, I am so grateful to Elizabeth for hosting <laughs> tonight, who's much better than I am, as a matter of fact, and to Connie for coming in and giving anything and everything you ever needed to know about wine. <laughs> um, yes, for calling for me then tonight. It's an amazing event, and I encourage anyone listening to go to documentinghope.com. And I apologize for my voice. I've been speaking a lot tonight. It really is a fascinating approach with a medically-based um, Harvard doctors behind this approach where the new approach is going to be that autism, ADD, and really anything on the spectrum is no longer a neurological approach, but rather one that falls under an autoimmune condition, a chronic autoimmune condition. So the approach and the remedy is no longer medicinal, mm-hmm. but becomes environmental, mm-hmm. uh, nutritional, educational, and it really is a fascinating thing. That's amazing. And their website has a great explanation of, of the program and, and the process. And um, so, again, it's documentinghope.com. Yes. Great. Yes, and I really, it's just beginning. And the basic premise is, for those who um, are not aware, it's going to be 14 kids over the course of 18 months. Mm-hmm. They're going to be filmed and treated. And the premise is, it's not that kids can be treated there is recovery. And so this time, there will be doctors following each of the kids, and it will be scientifically and medically um, uh, documented to show that, you know, through the process of this, there is hope. 
And do you get a sense? And again, I cannot be more grateful to Elizabeth Knight and to Connie for everything you guys are doing tonight. Oh, it's been a it's been a lot of fun. I'm so excited, and, and to all listeners out there, we're on every Thursday night. So please join us again next week. And I, I want to mention that for those of you that have ideas or may, you know, have a more fun story out there, call in while Elizabeth is there tonight. Tell us your stories, and um, you know, let's let's make this a really really fun night Thursday nights. Right, it's a great place for conversation, and um, we're learning a lot in, every week. So thank you for getting it started, Kathleen. And thank you, Elizabeth, <laughs> for being there tonight. And again, Connie, I have a lot I need to learn about wine. <laughs> so Thanks, I will Kathleen. let you get at it. <laughs> All right, enjoy the rest of your night. Okay. And thank you again, everyone, for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, I'm That's so glad nice. they're having a great yeah, night. Yeah, it sounds like their event's going well. Yes, and, and again, it's so um, documentinghope.com. It has a lot of information on there mm-hmm. um, about the movement. Um, we don't have very much time left, but I wanted to get back sort of to the beginning of your story. Um, and, you know, you were a young woman starting out in this industry, yes. a relentless young woman starting out in this industry. Um, how has the prevalence of women in the wine industry changed since you started? Uh, there's there 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 are a lot more of us now mm-hmm. in the wine business, and um, there were not a lot <clears throat> when I when I first started out. And it's funny because my father, who's always been one of my biggest advocates, he goes, "Don't go into the wine business. It's so it's so male really? dominated." And um, I almost always listened to him, but I, you know, that was one piece of advice I'm glad I didn't take. Mm-hmm. And um, and as I, I think I mentioned, or maybe I just thought it, when I worked for Cobran in New York, there were so few of us that were non there were so few of us women that were non-administrative assistant hmm. type positions or, or, or sort of back office. Right. So no sales. You no, were one of the few sales there, people. Yeah. Right? There were, I'm trying to think there were two of us in New York. Okay. Um, so, and, and that's, that's definitely changed. And then, you know, then when I was working with this restaurant group, the, the, the salespeople that would come to visit me, it was, it was pretty much 50, 50 men and women. So, um, but you're seeing much, a much greater, greater number of women and women in positions of, yes, yeah, managers and salespeople and and people starting businesses and so on and so forth. And how are you received by back back then? How are you received generally by the male? You know, Uh you know, th- with a little skepticism, <laughs> but that's okay. And and um, to know me is to love me. And, Absolutely. And so you know. It all worked out. All right. I think we are out of time. Connie, thank you so much. We have learned a great deal about Thank you, Elizabeth. Wine. Thank you for the opportunity. And, um, and congratulations to Kathleen and to Documenting Hope um, on that amazing, amazing project. For a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. 
Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA healthcare facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. Hi, I'm Janice Ian. Do you remember how excited you were at the start of summer every year and how the summer just started to drag on after a few months and you couldn't wait to get back to school, see your old friends, make new friends, get new books and a new locker and a clean slate? Well, you should have been excited about music class, too, because that was a special room where you went to sing, perform with your friends, and learn all kinds of interesting stuff about great composers, instruments, different kinds of music and songs. We remember our music teachers because they were so passionate about helping us learn to love music. They helped to spark a love for listening to notes and voices and rhythms that continues to enrich our lives even today. I bet your kids feel the same way about music class. Ask them and make sure they get involved with music in school and in their lives. A PSA brought to you by MENC, the National Association for Music Education, and the National Anthem Project, the campaign to restore America's voice through music education. Music, part of a sound education. Today's entertainment has been brought to you in part by Galito's Restaurant. Galito's specializes in Portuguese cuisine. In addition to these delicacies, Galito's offers pasta, steaks, seafood, and chops. A full-service bar includes wines, beers, and spirits to complement your meal. Galito's offers casual ambiance at the bar or their dining room. Galitos also has a private banquet room for social events with a party package to accommodate your budget. Galitos also offers seasonal cafe seating. Galitos is located at 29 Elm Avenue in Mount Vernon, New York, conveniently located across from the Mount Vernon East train station. You can call Galitos at area code 914-668-0100. Once again, the number is area code 914-668-0100. For information on reservations, or go to the website at www.galitosrestaurant.com. Enjoy your dining experience. Voted number one jazz cabaret club by New York Magazine. The Metropolitan Room is one of the most critically acclaimed venues in New York City and is known as the home for big-name talents and rising stars. Known as a celebrity hangout, the Metropolitan Room is a high-end cabaret and jazz club and brings the best in live music to New York City every night of the week. Fabulous award-winning Broadway, TV, film, and radio performers take the stage in an intimate 115-seat elegant venue. Aside from the great highly professional artistic shows and audience, Metropolitan Room provides an exceptional appetizer and dessert menu as well.